Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of the Value Stocks podcast with your host, Felix Nothnagel, and myself, Alex Middleton. Today is November 20... 20th, 2019, and we are talking, of, or we're going to talk about and um, all the stocks that we had discussed from episodes 1 to 10. We're going to revisit them and talk about um, our feelings towards them and any other thoughts as we take a look where the stock price has gone, um, and just kind of just going to be fairly informal. Um, anyways, any thoughts from you, Felix? Yeah, I guess uh, we've been offline for a while because of time constraints, and I don't know, kind of nice to kind of do another episode after a yeah. long time, and maybe we'll do some individual stocks going forward again yep. here and there probably not quite the old timing that we used to have i still have time constraints yep. but uh yeah i think i think it's good to kind of revisit the old ones and kind of see what happened if there's any changes if we see the stocks differently or if, yeah yeah well it's um it's good to do this again and hopefully all all our listeners who have were uh, listening before from episodes one to ten are still listening <laughs> And see this one. Um, so let's start off with uh, our first stock from episode one, Berkshire Hathaway. Um, have you been following the stock since uh, the original episode, Felix? Yeah. Yeah. Follow that one <laughs> Same quite with me. closely. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, still our, both our number one holding, right? Yes. I'm still, uh, I think in the episode one I mentioned I had, I think, 50% of my portfolio in Berkshire. And that hasn't really changed. I haven't sold any. And um, so, yeah, I've maybe added a little bit since, but yeah. it's also somewhat over 30, somewhere 30, 35% or so. Right. I'm not quite sure. So what do you feel about, so I guess when we originally, uh, you know, did the podcast, I think Berkshire was trading at around $205. And I think as, as of today on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, B price closed uh, down at 217 I think it was as high as 221, 222 earlier last week, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think also what happened, I think when we originally recorded it, might, the stock price might have been like 190 or so, but by the, till we like uploaded it, till we mm. figured out how to kind of post podcasts right. and stuff, I think okay. that's when it was like, was like a bit higher or so. Okay, so instead of the 5% change in uh, price, it's a, it's it's a little bit higher than that. Yeah, but it's... Maybe added 10% over the last year, year and a half or yeah. so, I think. But, I mean, I can fluctuate. It's, I guess more importantly, it's like what has the intrinsic value been doing over the last year, year and a half? My general feeling, it's it's gone up a little bit. and But as, as, as expected uh, with Berkshire, it's, it's not one that I feel fairly confident in being able to evaluate or have at least coming up with a range with Berkshire. And um, and I feel like the intrinsic value is still higher than where it is today, not significantly higher, but um, it's 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 still trading below, and uh, that's why I have a good portion of my portfolio in the stock today. Um, yeah, it's not too there's not too much unexpected stuff happening with Berkshire that uh, would leave me to be surprised at when they report their quarterly results. Yeah, I think the stock will kind of continue returning 8 to 10% a year, roughly, or will yeah. increase the intrinsic value at 8 to 10% a year, yeah. somewhere like that. 
And yeah, I guess intrinsic value de depends a little bit on kind of what you use as a discount rate or so. Yeah. Maybe if, if you're saying, hey, I want to get a 10% return annually going forward, yeah. your intrinsic value should be like lower than if you're saying, I want to get an 8% annual return right. going forward. Yeah. So I, I don't know, maybe if you like, 10% per year over the next 10 years, maybe it's trading right on par. Mm -hmm. But if you're saying, hey, I'm happy with an 8% return, then maybe it's cheaper than intrinsic value. Yeah, I'm a bit surprised because, you know, in this market uh, with certain stocks that are really predictable earnings going forward, you know, like Coke and, and Starbucks, um, they're trading at, at, at ridiculous multiples i think p25 30 uh, 33 i think for coke even um and berkshire that you know it's fairly predictable it's it's still to me it's a long way from that and not i'm not saying that it should be trading way up there because i've had uh you know we've discussed coke and i've discussed starbucks um and I, we we think it's overvalued given what uh we think is uh, normal interest rates over time or normal returns to the market. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, but right now I think it's still under its uh, intrinsic value and uh, it's interesting there. The buybacks started this, uh, this year and uh, I think it's been a little bit lower than most people's expectations or at least some people, but it hasn't ruined the value of the, of uh, the company. Cash has been building up. The, yeah. They have more investments in securities. They have been going up with the market in general. Yeah. But I think also the portfolio is, is, is uh, positioned quite nicely, like in terms yeah. of PE values. Or so they have a lot of financials that are trading kind of cheaply, like yeah. Wells Fargo and right. Bank of yeah. America. Yeah. And I guess Apple. Or I think Coke is a little bit on the high side. Apple, I don't know right now exactly, but it's probably more on the high side. It's had a good run in the past yeah. uh, couple months there. But it, I, I, I don't think uh, uh, Berkshire's portfolio is as overvalued as the general market. No, yeah. And probably their operating earnings are not trading at as high a multiple as uh, the market, I would say. Right, yeah. So when I looked at kind of the last trailing 12 months operating earnings that's like not uh, not including uh, insurance earnings or, uh, and uh, kind of dividends they receive i get about 20 billion a year roughly just uh, just operating earnings like uh, bnsf yeah uh, the mid-american energy and, and all their manufacturing yeah. etc you're you're roughly right. at 20 billion if you put kind of like a multiple somewhere 15 to 20 on that mm -hmm. you're at a value of 300 to 400 billion mm -hmm. and then if you say okay all their cash and all their uh, security holdings if you kind of value that on par that's another 350 billion or so right now mm -hmm. so then you're at 650 700 billion value yeah understand that i'm double counting kind or that I'm not discounting kind of the float that they're holding some people say it's a liability mm -hmm. but I'm also not including earnings from their insurance, insurance kind yeah. of their underwriting yeah. so it kind of balances out and you also have to float growing generally or oh, that's what happened over the last yeah. 
however long they've been in insurance. So I think that's creating value as well. So I think the best way to value Berkshire now is just the way that Buffett probably outlined it in his last annual report. And uh, it's a pretty straightforward calculation if you look at it. Yeah. You can come up with a range of uh, the the various forests that he uh, grows. Forest grows yep. or something? Yeah, that's what he used. Um, so and I think... Even when I've done that exercise, it's it's above where it is today. And, but uh, but then there's different ways of getting there, right? Do you calculate a BNSF? They have a little bit less revenue than uh, uh, other railroads. Like skip my uh, uh, skip my brain right now. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, do you compare it kind of like what is that valued in the market or do you give it a discounted their earnings discounted cash flow or uh, do you put a p multiple on it so uh, there's still different ways of of well you start of... breaking it down you can you, it becomes a lot more complicated but uh like if you start breaking down the, the groves and start looking at the individual companies within yeah. those groves it becomes a lot more complicated i think and then you can do it then you start doing a sum of parts and yeah yeah, so yeah. I've, I've done like different methods and they yeah. all kind of lead to the same kind of rough valuation so i kind of and i've looked at other people's valuation how they did it and they all kind of end up in the same so direction what, so what's your in what's your uh intrinsic value range right now yeah if you can recall last time you did a valuation you know what i think at the current market cap roughly it'll probably return 10 percent or so annual yeah. And then it's kind of okay. If if you want to get a ten percent return, then the intrinsic value mm -hmm. is the current market cap. Mm -hmm. If you say hey, eight percent return, or if you compare it against what other things trade in the market, then maybe the intrinsic value is higher. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. So okay. maybe I I'm expecting somewhere like a ten percent annual return over the next ten yeah. years, and but it might be eight percent that's kind of but i'm happy with eight yeah. percent so i have kind of a margin of safety there i, I think we're around the same range then if you're expecting a 10 percent of today's value my intrinsic value using uh 78 percent is about 250 dollars for a b share so um yeah yeah so we're pretty fairly confident with that but we kind of use ranges all the time so there's never an exact number that we kind of or at least i don't have an exact number ever what I think the intrinsic value of a company is, it's always a, a bit of a range to give me some sort of room for error. I think we're not expecting miracles with that company, but uh, no. it's it's good for kind of capital preservation and yeah. kind of, it's much better than cash or bonds. So It's probably a better, if you're looking for something index type, yeah. maybe with a little more risk, it's, I think we can both agree that Berkshire is better valued than S&P 500. I think it will have much quite a bit better returns to yeah. going forward yeah okay do you want to talk about the next company from episode two was aer so the price when at least when our podcast was posted was 57 dollars and 25 cents today is it is uh 59 dollars and 82 cents uh so that's a four and a half percent return um i never bought this stock um, I think it was more, uh, you were more strongly interested in the stock and I know you, you held it and still hold it today. I bought it a little bit before we did the podcast and mm -hmm. then I kind of added 
on the way down because it dropped quite a lot and I added on the way up back up as well so I don't know what I had like a three four percent position at the time of the yeah. podcast and now it's like I think somewhere six or seven percent position and yeah what's your general feelings on it so far I uh, it's I you know I I kind of, I did more reading on it and kind of some annual reports further back and especially I did more kind of earnings calls that I listened to on transcripts yeah. that I read. Yeah. And I I like it better than I liked it uh when we did the podcast. Um it still has the same risks and issues, but uh uh I've a bit more appreciation of their CEO. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that I really liked, and I mean, there's many examples where he says things like that, but one of the analysts asked them, is there anything that potentially out there that you have any uh, acquisitions or so? And he said like, uh, why would I pay a premium to book to acquire another company when I can buy back my own shares at 0.8 of book? And I just like everything, Everything he says, it's very uh, shareholder friendly, very, uh, uh, very good capital allocator, in my opinion. Mm. And he's young. And I think he can kind of run this company quite well for a very long long time. He's got a long run as management. Yes. So if he keeps on keeps on doing what he's doing and, and, you know, buying back stock below book value and, um, the airline industry continues to on its path of uh, growth uh, better than global inflation. I, I would say that that's a good tailwind for them. Yeah. So I, and I also feel like a little bit like the risks, I, I don't feel, I feel better about them. They're still there, but uh, I just, I feel quite comfortable the, and I might increase my position further. So the risks, I think, what I call, at least the risks I associated with uh, AirCap was kind of like the cyclicality, maybe the downside risk of like if a recession were happen in the future, you know, you could see the, do- the stock plummet regardless of, you know, if it's, whether it's a good value today or not. Um, That's I guess not a real risk, so really. It's not, right? no, I guess it's not a real risk in terms of like you're losing value. Permanent in capital. The company. Right. Um, it's just, and it could happen and you could pick it up cheaper, yeah. but it might also not happen. And mm-hmm. this company might continue to compound it right. 12, 13, 14%. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I thought a little bit more about uh, kind of valuation and, uh, when you, when you look at it, it's kind of their return on equity is roughly 12%. It's, it's pretty stable over the years from course it's leveraged but uh if you're so if you're buying kind of at book price you would kind of get a 12 percent return then if we're saying okay we want a margin of safety and we want a 10 percent annual return then i guess uh buying at book is kind of quite reasonable for that company and i mean i've built my position i was lucky because i think i'm up like 30 percent or so now on my cost basis yeah um but if it kind of goes lower again maybe 0.8 book 0.7 book i would add i would add probably at 0.8 and then would add more at 0.7 yeah uh 
probably won't add at current prices. But I mean, if the if the company stays at current price and we're one year later or so, then the price to book would basically drop automatically because they're just very steadily increasing their earnings every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what happened over the last year. Again, just kind of increasing their earnings per share at, I don't know, like 12%, um, increasing their book value at 10%. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, buying back shares it's I, I like it yeah quite like it okay and i think uh maybe it's a little bit cheaper now than it was at 57 dollars a year ago i uh, just if you're looking yeah. at uh compared to intrinsic value because oh, yeah. it it has increased its value yeah. over, over this time it's good not deterred by major investors drop i think manish perai own air cap or was uh, i think he owned it before i owned yeah. it so yeah he only owned yeah. it for a short uh uh what's the uh david einhor david einhor still still, still owns it. it i think yeah. it's like his third biggest second or third biggest position right. yeah um yeah not that that would be a reason why we invest in a company just following an investor yeah. into it anyways but well, if they all start selling out, you might want to look into think why. About why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, might be a leading indicator, but. Yeah, I like it right now. Okay. Do you have any, any other opinions on it? Or? No, I haven't really. It's not on my, you know, one of the tickers I follow, really. So I haven't really kept up with the stock. Mm. You know, when I've seen the, the issues with Boeing uh, and their, uh, I always wondered, oh yeah, I wonder how this is impacting um, uh, AirCap right now. But I don't, it hasn't really, that whole. No, they own, I think they own like two 737 yeah. Maxes or, 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 yeah, that's what they're called, right? Um, and they, they had on order more. Right. So they weren't being leased out yet. No. And, okay. Well, they haven't been delivered now either. Yeah, and it wouldn't be. If anything, it's probably a positive, probably for aircraft because the demand of aircraft in general right. probably goes up. Right. They can sell their aircrafts at larger, more like larger values above book, yeah. which they've been doing anyways. But maybe they get a little bit better prices. Yeah. Easier to find uh, uh, leases or leasers for their planes, and. Hmm. Even if it's short term, yeah. Yeah, and I actually like them buying back shares. I yeah. like if they can spend all their cash on buying back shares. That's per- I'm perfectly happy with that. Yeah. Right now. Good. Anything else you want to say about the aircap? No, I I I don't know the exact values, but when we did the the, the podcast, maybe it was the. I don't remember book value was maybe fifty nine dollars per share, and now it's like sixty nine dollars per share. So okay, yeah, fifteen percent higher. Yeah, so it's it's doing good. It's I like it. Okay. All right, moved on to uh, I guess our episode three where we did uh, ADS. Um, what's the what is it? What's the acronym for that? Uh, data system, auto. No, not auto. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Anyways, the Alliance Data Alliance Data Systems, right? And this is um, so when we discussed it, or at least when our podcast was posted, it was two hundred and twenty-eight dollars, and I think it was even as high as three hundred. That year. Well, that's why we looked at it, right? Yeah, because it dropped dropped down down from like. And Alan Meacham 
was uh, an investor in it, which. But he bought of, it at like two hundred uh, or so. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, anyways, now it's at a hundred and one dollars as of close today, down fifty five percent. And there's been a few things that have changed with the company. They've sold their marketing division, Epsilon. Uh, they got rid of that. Especially even when they said it was um, a strategic part of their business and how they were different than the rest of their credit card, uh, private label credit card issuers. Um, and then I think they've had a few changes in leadership at the company too. Yeah, I think right around when we had the uh, podcast, I think the CEO stepped down and I think it was a temporary CEO came in and I think in February of this year, they found a permanent permanent right. CEO. Uh, yeah, I'm not 100% sure if it was always uh, was supposed to be temporary or not, but I think right. that's what it was. So have you kept track of this company over the time? Not really. Yeah. I mean, you l listen a little bit to the news and kind of follow the stock price and um, I read a few people's uh, investment reports on it, right. but I didn't look at it myself and much. I think our intrinsic value estimate was in the 170 range. Yeah. Someone, I think someone messaged us and... and or at messaged like 140 you, or 140 so, hey, now you can... Are you buy, interested in buying this because one? Because that's now. roughly, I think, what we mentioned, kind yeah. of where it might get interesting. Yeah. And I guess we both <laughs> still weren't interested. <laughs> Not enough to look right back into it, but I guess like some confidence, you know. I think we mentioned in the pot, the original podcast and uh, episode that uh, about Epsilon and you know, kind of questioning. Are they really? It really gives them a competitive advantage right. the way that they're acting and sure enough now they're selling it kind now of makes me laugh a little bit yeah, yeah now if you reflect on it and you're like okay well all these years they were saying that they were different like what else yeah and then that the thing that we also mentioned was like their adjusted EBITDA that they're always you know um, reporting which was significantly different than their actual earnings and, and they're still doing that they're still doing yeah. it's like double well, what gap earnings are yeah. and that's the you never kind of i never really felt comfortable with it and i think it was you just have a bad feeling about a ceo being overly promotional being super aggressive on their earnings and how they account for non-gap earnings yeah. and yeah promote overly promotional the epsilon stuff just didn't sit right and then you have on top of that you have kind of the credit card is probably uh kind of subprime that's if you can compare it to like right housing mortgages or so i i don't feel it's they kind of have quite the same quality of of debt holders than maybe i don't know visa mastercard maybe they do i'm just i i don't i don't feel as comfortable about that and then you're talking about the, I don't know, what are we, 11, 12 year bull market? No, 10. What, 2009 was the, the, yeah. the beginning or yeah. the end? So yeah, so 11. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, every, all that adding up, it's, it's just, I guess you just got kind of a bad feeling a little bit about the yeah. company and... You know. I wouldn't be surprised if it popped up, like depending on how things go over the next year. I mean, it could easily just pop back up very quickly to uh, two hundred. Yeah, but I mean, 
that's that's not what you invest on. You you invest on fundamentals, obviously. Yeah. And um, I mean, I haven't looked at the financials, and maybe might be we should we should be when if we're talking about the stock. But yeah. uh, I mean, they're, they're probably uh, they might be like cheaper valued now than Synchrony, kind of on a right. I don't know. It might be worth taking a look again. You yeah. know, not a full blown analysis again, but just to 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 really. Yeah. Uh, to um, check up on it. And then do yeah. you really feel comfortable with that company? Well, that's what you, I mean, after yeah. I looked at the numbers, then I asked myself that. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a big enough margin of error or, or a buffer in the price uh, to swallow it. But it, 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 it could be risky um, given that they loan, loan money out to, uh, like you said, subprime or l lower... Uh, credit and individuals yeah hmm. okay so next uh stock is uh fiat chrysler when we discussed it uh it was 16 dollars 82 cents and uh as of close today it was 15 dollars down 10.8 percent okay you own this stock up until recently um what do you think yeah I don't know. Last week or so, I I, I think I sold out. Yeah. Of my majority of the position, I still have a small because of several like trading accounts, TFSA, RSB. But where I held my the most the majority number of shares, I did sell out. Um, I guess uh, I don't know. I I still think it doesn't trade too too expensively. Um, uh, has the I guess it the, paid so far about ten percent in dividend. Yeah, like I don't know how much was was regular maybe three percent or so, and then they had a special dividend after they had the McNetty Morelli sell. Uh, so I actually was up a little bit or so. Um, now you'll probably break even from that price when we when we set it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Has anything changed? I guess they they announced that merger with. Um What's the European auto? Peugeot. Okay. Yeah. I think that that is a pretty significant change. Yeah. Uh, I think that they, I don't, it's going to be a 50-50 merger uh, with Peugeot being able to spin out some stuff before. And I think uh, Fiat Chrysler uh, shareholders being paid 5 billion. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's a 50-50 merger. I think it's, I think Fiat Chrysler gives up a little bit more in that deal than Peugeot. Yeah. They have, uh, I think, 70, uh, 70 billion in sales, roughly, Peugeot versus 110 or so for Fiat Chrysler. I think Fiat Chrysler, they have higher margin vehicles in their truck, uh, kind of. The Dodge and uh, Jeep. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I, I think those are higher margin vehicles. I like right. that better. Yeah. So... Well, that was the thing with the lot. A lot of the upside in uh, Fiat Chrysler stock was a bet on continuing to uh, uh, leverage the Jeep and the Dodge trucks brand even more than they had in the previous ten years. Um, that got them where they were, yeah. right? Um, and I think this it has been improving a little bit. Earnings have been getting better, yeah. but maybe not quite at the pace that I thought they might. And it just 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 seems more and more headwind. Right. Uh, so just everything considered, I just 
didn't quite have the same conviction and compared to some other stocks that I own, uh, just didn't. yeah. I then and then I felt like oh, I had to go deep dive in Peugeot and right. I think I didn't want to do that. <laughs> laziness. <laughs> now, uh, laziness, but also don't know if I can have the same conviction. Right. So yeah, I just decided. It's well, it's different when you do an analysis on the company itself, and they're saying here's our forecast for 2022, and then everything gets changed when they announce a merger, and you have to redo a lot of your thesis yeah. again. And might if you it sounded like the was it Pinot or what's the Renault? Ren Renault was the original kind of merger that fell through, and then Peugeot. Peugeot. Okay, yeah. that's what I'm saying. If you're saying this low, lower margin type uh, yeah. vehicles joining up with the higher margins, you know, yeah. might change. And then, yeah, if, if you go into a recession, then I think the lower margin vehicles, they're going to suffer more. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's, 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 a, it's a few things, I think, that all kind of added up where I just decided to, right. I guess, sell out. Um, yeah. Not sure. Did you move that money to anything else? Uh, not yet. Yeah. I have some plans, and I I invested in bought some Tandy stock before, okay. and that kind of lowered my cash that's, balance. Uh, so that for our listeners, that's Tandy Leather, uh, TLF, I think. Yeah. yeah. So so I bought some of that, and then I sold to bring my cash levels back up and I might add more into TLF. I, th right. yeah. I think I will. We'll see. Okay. Um, next stock is uh, Coke. When we first discussed it, it was $45 and it's up to $53 now, 18%. Uh, plus dividend. Yeah, plus dividend, yep. 3% uh, dividend maybe yield. Yeah, around there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think when we first discussed it, we thought it was significantly overvalued. And, uh, I think I did a quick look before, uh, we did the, we started recording here today and I think it's even more overvalued <laughs> now. Um, so I mean, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't buy this, uh, stock today. I mean, good company, but really high price stock. Yeah. I think it's trading at a P of like 28 or so. It's right around, it's, it's like 30. It's, okay. Um, and for a company that, I mean, they have good cash flow and everything, but uh, yeah. it's um, when you really look at the price you're paying and the market cap, it's, it's yeah. high in the sky. I guess you could say, hey, we were wrong on the stock, but I, I wouldn't say so. I think it, a lot of it had to do with uh, multiple expansion. Yeah. Like, the majority of your 20% return comes from a multiple expansion, not from the underlying business, yeah. I think. Improving, uh, part of that, right, is coming from the underlying business, but uh, the I, I, don't, I wouldn't bet on the P going to 35, 40. Like, it might, so, you know, stock might be 20, 30% well, higher one year from now. If you're gonna happen. make a bet of it going to a higher multiple or retracting, a yeah. more normal multiple, I'd say it's highly more likely to retract than expand. Yeah, and maybe the and then there's the percentage that it would stay the same, whatever. But um, I think 
Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I I would caution. Like, you know, we might look wrong on this one, but uh, you know, you could have looked wrong on Kraft Heinz or InBev. Right. Budweiser. Like they kinda had a good run up to high multiples and all of a sudden I mean it can come crashing down and even like yeah FedEx as well like that was really high up there it was close to three hundred dollars per share and now it's at one forty so and these are all blue chip companies these are blue right? chip and more people would consider uh, very predictable companies that yeah. that had really high PEs at one point so uh, I think when I I wrote an article about McDonald's and I thought that was highly overvalued as well and then it went up to even higher and it's come down since then but. Um, these yeah, these stocks can you can lose a lot of value if you're not careful. Yeah, yeah. I think Coke is a better business than those businesses, but yeah. they're all blue chip, uh, you know, brand names. It, it happens like and and Coke is just not that fast grower anymore. And yeah, when you're paying a P of thirty, it's just like P of twenty is probably a fair price, and if you want like a margin of safety or so, you buy it uh, lower. Yeah, yeah. so. Mm, I, I don't like it at all at these prices. So okay. We'll leave it at that. Cross that one <laughs> off our list. Okay, now to um, Fairfax, India. So when we first discussed it, it was $15, and um, it's gone down a bit. It's now at just shy of $12 per share, so down 20%. Um, this is, a, I guess this is the stock, next to Berkshire, this is the first stock that I have a position in still, and you have a fairly... Yeah, about position. 8% or yeah. so. Yeah, yeah it's around the same. Um, I still like it. I think the 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 uh, the thesis holds out that India has still uh, got a bright future ahead of it. Uh, you know, I think growth slowed down and uh, there's a few other things. Um, currency went currency against us. And there's one. a few maybe uh, domestic things going on there. With, I don't know if that's impacted people investing in India with the stuff in Kashmir. Um, but, you know, the, the, the investments within their portfolio that the, the company holds, I think, are still fairly attractive, especially the airport there. And uh, I think they just marked it up by 180 million or so, their fair value. This, right. I mean, I think it's almost like a billion now on their balance sheet, and that's kind of what I said I thought it was yeah. worth. Um, it all depends. Like, that's... Like their 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 publicly traded security are marked to market, right? Mm -hmm. And I IFL went down a lot, so that kind of hurt the book value quite a bit. And uh, the kind of private companies, it's it's based on certain assumptions like gross rates and discount rates. Yeah. Uh, probably a billion dollar their stake is probably more more accurate, but. So I think their their book value kind of stayed roughly the same, maybe slightly lower. I think IIFL might have dropped a little bit more. I don't know how much cheaper that stock can get unless it goes to zero. <laughs> um, and yeah, but uh, currency exchanges kind of played against them. Right. I think one thing is maybe maybe shouldn't have bought above book value that stock if you consider like the management fee probably want to buy at a discount to book right so and i i'm happy now holding at the current price compared to book value it's just shy of book value right now isn't it 
think just uh, below. But I mean, that's with mark to market per I IFL. I think book value is around thirteen fifty or so. I don't know. Did you? Just... Uh, I can look it up, but um, and it's, yeah, it might be like ten percent below right. book value or so. Yeah. Um. I so I like not... the future. I I yeah. I I don't like the management fee. I didn't like it a year ago. Um. But I think if if you're below book value, I think for these companies, it's it's reasonable. Right. And the thing is, for me, I think I, I'm looking 10, 20 years out. I'm not looking for next year. This isn't a short-term no. trade. It's more long-term. And uh, so would you... I mean, you're you're holding your position pretty steady right now. You're not going to yeah. buy at these Well, levels. if it drops lower, I might add. Yeah. Not, at, not at these levels right now. Right. Um, I think one thing we discussed, like, I don't know, a week or two ago, we had coffee and uh, we were saying, kind of feels like this company, like the stock price might muddle along for a long time till all of a sudden they start offloading a big stake in somewhere at a big increased price and the book yeah. value kind of shoots up. Then it's all of a sudden people start realizing kind of the, the value, value they've got from the private companies. Yeah. If they just mark up their private holdings by five ten percent a year or so in in fair value then i don't think the stock well I, I, you never know i just you can't predict stock prices but like i said i don't care about the short term i think long term it's a good hold low yeah. ri i i don't think it has very high risk yeah uh, maybe hopefully the currency doesn't run as badly against as it did in the last year uh and I, I felt I could see recovering. I mean, I, I could see the stock price trading quite a bit higher. Right. So this is, and I mean, the, the airport is a big, big size of their portfolio and it's that's growing like crazy. Right. I think it grew from like 20 million passengers and now they're like up to 30 and they're building out the airport to have like 60 million in 10 years, so. Well, kind of one, one risk actually, uh, that you pointed out, I'm not sure, or maybe I was just thinking of, it's like in, uh, was it in Beijing, they opened a second airport recently, mm -hmm. which kind of like divided the traffic between what the main airport was and the other one. Did you ever, did you consider what, if they did that for uh, uh, Fairfax's? No, I haven't. <laughs> I mean, like I looked, I, I looked, I, I, I looked at like, you can look. uh, yeah, I looked at, Google Maps actually kind of trying to figure out if there's much land around right. and it's, I think it's tough to build airports and I, I looked around the airport a little bit to see okay can they do a third runway or a fourth runway like and even like yeah expanding this airport kind of gets yeah. tied I think after two maybe I think I could see a third runway yeah so I I I mean there's nothing on the horizon I think it's more likely that this one gets Expanded, expanded and bigger. Well, they, add, they have a, quite a bit of undeveloped land around the airport already, which I think Fairfax has a right to develop on, which is kind of like a icing on their cake of uh, for revenue. Yeah. That's the part of their investment thesis. I tried figuring out what that what's the what that could be worse, but I, I it's it's hard really. to tell. Yeah, yeah. Well, we should make a trip to uh, India. The, scope it out <laughs> i went on to like realtor websites and yeah. tried putting in like trying to figure out what the acre acres were worth around yeah. uh 
Bangalore, but uh, there's quite big fluctuations, and I couldn't right. figure out what area exactly uh, yeah. the Bangalore airport was in. Yeah. Well, it might be easier just to go to the, the annual AGM meeting and just ask them some <laughs> questions there. Yeah. Um, okay, the next one, um, actually, I think the next one, NVR, which has had the biggest price cre- increase since we uh, spoke about it, was so... When we did the podcast episode, it was around $2,200, and now it's up to $3,600, 61%. And uh, I think both of us were a little bit, um, when we adjusted for the, cycl- the cyclicality of their earnings, you know, average out, it was, we both thought it was a bit overvalued at the time in VR. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of one of the stocks that the, yeah, the prices run up quite a bit, but I, I haven't... Um, I haven't been following uh, NVR. I, I don't know if anything has really changed with it. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't even looked at few. their latest financials, but yeah. uh, I doubt that they increased their intrinsic value by 50%. So 60%? Yeah. Uh, it, it might be the intrinsic value might be more higher than the current stock price, but from what yeah. I... What I thought the intrinsic value was, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what it was under two thousand. What I thought, I think, it was, yeah, eighteen hundred. I know I was a yeah. little bit higher on my estimate yeah, than you right, were, right. Um, and we both thought it was a great company, um, but did it run ahead of itself? Maybe, probably. Um, it's just like for me, I'm not gonna spend more time on it. If I if I think it's overvalued at a certain price, I'm not gonna get more interested when it's fifty percent. When it starts rising, I'm like in start a year. looking at it again. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'd be more to... interested if it if it dropped from where. Well, it's in we the probability it. that the you know the intrinsic value increased that much, that quickly based off you know some fundamentals of the business is very unlikely. So it doesn't make sense for us to, you know, spend a lot of spend time. a lot of time. Any time, like I didn't yeah. spend any time on it. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> it is what it is, and uh, but it's a great company. It is. No, they one of the better uh, uh, companies in their industry out there, right? When we were I think it's them. the leader. I think it's the best. Yeah. So, so if it did drop a lot, though, yeah, we'd uh, would probably be very visit interested. again. Yeah, yeah. Next one, C-SPAN. So that's uh, when we spoke about that. It was nine dollars and twenty-seven cents. And now it is eleven dollars and thirty three cents, up twenty two percent. I don't think there's a lot of uh, to mention about this company, but I think uh, we were kind of indifferent with it. We could see it running up quite a bit, just because on the fundamentals of the uh, the container ship industry, uh, more more conservative um, construction of new vessels coming up onto the market. Uh, are more constrained. Um, good capital so allocator. Good, fairly good capital allocator. They, I think they bought a few new ships um, recently, which you know I'm a little bit hesitant on because I think the long-term uh, uh, attractiveness, is, attractiveness of the industry is not that great. I would have liked them to kind of diversify or return capital to share uh, money back to shareholders, um, but it is what it is. Um, I think... I, I'm under the same uh, feelings now as I was when we recorded. I think it could still run up to $15 if uh, things go right. But um, they still have a lot of debt as a company would in the, in that industry. It's hard to uh, get any reasonable returns without debt. 
So yeah, I know you said it was up twenty percent or so. Yeah. Like I, I don't 20. find it more attractive now than I did. Like I just right. wasn't really interested in the company right. uh, a year ago, and um, not any more interested now. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's the one I guess bright stock in Fairfax's portfolio of <laughs> stocks these days. <laughs> so <laughs> Prem Watson must be pretty happy with at least that one pick. He's not so happy with BlackBerry. All right, next stock, uh, CN Rail. So when we spoke about it, it was about $103. This is Canadian, so on the Toronto Stock Exchange. And it is now 120 and I think it was as high as 128 maybe. Um, do you still, you own some CN Rail? I sold out a little bit after right. we discussed on the podcast. Because right. I, I mean, we did all the work and I think it's a really good company. And I, I think it's worthwhile for some people to hold it. Uh, it depends on what you're looking for because I think it's it's just super safe. Yeah. But just when I looked at all the fin- the work I did around the financials, I'm kind of like, it might still return 10% a year, but it's things have to go pretty good, I think, for the company. I think there's, you know, it's capital intensive. So when you're paying like, 20 times earnings that means you get like a five percent return and but half of that you have to reinvest for capital so 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 then you have like a two and a half percent return and then your growth so depends on what your growth is right like five percent so if if they can grow five percent a year you could i could see it maybe four percent or so then you're six seven and a half and then if they kind of lever up you might be able to push that up a little bit more, your return. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard to see a much better outcome than 10%. Yeah. And it's kind of easier to see a lower outcome. But you know, I, I think most likely it will be between 8 and 10%. And I think it's super safe. And would I own this over bonds or over, yeah, like government bonds, cash or so, you know. I mean, it depends oh, a little bit on your situation, but if you're like, you know what, I want safe investments. I'm 20, 30, 40 years old and I'm, I'm retiring in 20, 30 years. I think it's a really good stock, but it was just, it just didn't quite match my return expectations. Yeah, yeah I think uh, for me, it was significantly overvalued. I still own some shares that are, I can't remember what account they're sitting in, but um yeah, it's it's uh it's a really good company, very predictable future in my mind. I, it's going to be extremely difficult to replace um, its uh, its service at at least at its cost per ton um, offering, um, even with all the different technologies that people are coming up with, you know. Uh, so I think it's going to be around a long time, predictable, but um, yeah, overpriced right now, and uh, it might come down, you know, and. And during a uh, recession, it might be um, a good opportunity to come in. But at that time, you know, there might be a lot of other more attractive opportunities as well. How much is it up since we discussed it? Uh, 15%. Yeah. It yeah. did better than the rest of my portfolio. So yeah. Good timing on the yeah. sale, of course. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, that's the funny thing. It's like people always talk about value underperforming and, and uh, growth outperforming right now. And you see a lot of the stocks that have gone up a lot 
Um, it's just, in our opinion, it's they've gone from overvalued to even more overvalued mm. um, in a lot of cases. Um, mm. What do you think railroads should trade at? Like maybe more like P of fifteen or? Um, I think I think it closer to eighteen, but that's based off of the, their uh, owners' earnings, right? Not their actual earnings. Oh, okay. Reporting. So well, that's then, another then, thing, right? So it, then you're much lower, like that's a lot lower. P lower. of thirteen or something. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah. don't know the exact math. It's always going to be uh, a well. The owner's earnings are always uh, lower than uh, the actual reported earnings. Yeah. Mm. So, at least in a heavy, uh, like a, a very asset heavy business like that. Yeah. Capital intensive, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but I like the company and I like the history of the company and I like its future, but uh, just won't buy it today. I like being a shareholder. Yeah. It's nice seeing a, a train yeah. going train by. by. I own yeah. part of that. Yeah. <laughs> When we went to the Berkshire Hathaway meeting this year, we drove past a lot of windmills. I guess uh, we own them through Berkshire Hathaway. or A lot of them, yeah. Yeah. So that's a good business there, but we don't own any of the ones in Alberta. Uh, we might in the future, because I think Berkshire was uh, proposing or doing a, a joint venture partnership of building uh, um, windmill park? farm in, in southern Alberta somewhere. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. They're very early in the stages of the construction or, you know, Planning feasibility. Them. Yeah. So you never know. You'll be able to drive past the windmills and say, I own some of that, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, last stock here. So uh, FedEx. So the time of recording, it was 170 and it's gone down to 152, down 10%. Um, any thoughts? Any, it hasn't really changed much. It, it, it was as high as $300, went down, I think mostly because of their outlook and um, their forecasts have been lowered on earnings. Uh, maybe a little bit of comp the, the threat of competition from Amazon, it's holding it down a bit. Um, I still don't see Amazon being a huge competitor in the near future uh, with FedEx. Um, it might be a decent buy at the, at uh, today's levels, but um, you know it's not a it's not a great buy. Yeah, I wasn't super excited about it when we did the podcast. So like ten percent lower price or so, yeah. I'm not much more interested. So I didn't look at that stock. I've <laughs> been spending my time on some other stocks, and yeah. I I think it's a good business. I don't know. I I think their business model is under bigger threat than CN Rail, for example. For sure. Yeah. So you, in my opinion, you would need to expect a higher return than CN Rail. Yeah. If I would expect like at current price levels an eight to ten percent return, which I I don't know. I haven't looked at it in a long time. Then I would much rather own CN Rail. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I think it still should be well. Yeah, just the economic threat. I think their earnings, or just totally say this, have been impacted by the the trade wars. Um, but it's kind of funny because it hasn't really impacted uh, C-SPAN at all. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So I don't really know. Yeah, there could be a reason for it. I just can't think of it on the spot right now. I think Amazon's definitely 
But they, wherever Amazon has like gone into and not made announcement, like stock prices have tumbled like 30, 40, 50 percent. Right. I, I don't remember exactly, but I think like groceries or so when they acquired Whole Foods or yeah. so, I think Kroger or so was down like 30 percent. Has it recovered? I haven't looked at it. Just not interested. The same with like McKesson when they were going to get involved the distribution and warehousing of uh, prescription drugs. You know, McKesson yeah. went down to like one twenty, one twenty maybe one twenty five. It was under a hundred even. Yeah, I think it, it's, I think Christmas last year. No, yeah, down to under a hundred. Yeah. Just like ninety six or something. Really? Like, as I think it's one fifty today. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't even think has Amazon even made any progress in in. Um, yeah, I, and that wasn't the only thing with yeah. McKesson. There was also the the whole like opioid crisis right. and okay. the lawsuits, and I think they started to settle out. So, and McKesson was probably a good buy, like a hundred dollars a share. Yeah. So, might still be kind of cheap right now, actually. Because it was as high as I think it was over two hundred at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts about that one, FedEx? No. No. Okay. Well, that was our last stock on our list of uh, our episodes there. Um, I guess we'll finish off. Just are there any other stocks you're looking at right now or anything you want to, you know, topics have been on your mind investment wise? Uh, I mean, the the last two that I kind of looked at a little bit was probably mostly like you, you kind of brought Tandy Leather Factory. Right. Yeah. That's kind of interesting right now, and then today you you showed what was it? MSC. MSC. There's a bunch of MR, MRO. Uh, Ticker was MSM, right? Uh, and then so in that group would be like Granger and uh, Fastenal. Yeah. So, and they're trading at much higher multiples. Yeah. So and then we that was kind of interesting to take break that down. Uh, all those companies. Um, yeah, you and, did a really good job on those financial oh, summaries. Like I really yeah. liked. If anybody wants to see them out there, I'll, I'd be happy to email them to you. Um, but yeah, it seems like a we on a on a work base level. I've I've worked with them in the past, not directly, but kind of you're exposed to them by when you work on an industrial site, and I they're they're a lot better company than I had thought they would be when diving into the financials a lot bit more predictable and uh growth and margins um um margins surprised me a lot actually yeah i'm not i'm surprised that you're surprised about that to be honest because when we were talking about trans time and like their pricing power yeah on being like such small parts like you know you have like 50 percent markup and it just doesn't like it's not worth fighting for, and you worked in supply chain. You you know the markups that they had. Well, I never lo- I never would look at. I didn't really know what exactly. because oh. I, I, okay. I said I don't. I didn't work with them directly, right? But um, I just never. It's probably one of those things when you you walk past the store all the time, and then you all of a sudden after ten years you were like, oh, I should look at the business fundamentals, like or see what it's about by looking at. So when I finally did, I was like, oh, it's quite surprising. But it makes all it all makes sense because, as you mentioned, when you talk about Transdime and their strategy of, like, buying proprietary parts, but, you know, not huge engines and kind of, uh, you know, benefiting from having you know, 
you know, selling small proprietary parts that, you know, big companies, while they might be overpriced, big companies aren't going to spend a, a lot of time or effort negotiating a hundred dollar part or a, or even like a, a couple thousand dollar part. They're going to focus on the, the GE, uh, engines. Yeah. Um, so, and then I think, you know, with Acklands, you know, or sorry, Granger or any of these other, other MRO companies, they have, um, thousands of SKUs that they'll price out for a customer. And, uh, it's very from a from a customer point of view. It's very hard to negotiate ten thousand items that are all, you know, fairly low priced. Especially when you're busy talking about building something significantly larger um, under the same customer, a different side of their business or something, right? So, what their main concern or or with having an MRO, MRO supplier on site is they want reliability most of the time they want to know that that part's going to be there or get there fast because a lot of what Granger and, um, and MRO companies do is they ensure that there's high, uh, utilization of a plant or the industrial facility or manufacturing facility that they're supporting. And there's a lot more value in that to keep production high than it is to negotiate a hundred dollar part down to $96. Yeah, they have very good free cash flow, very low capex, uh, low debt. You get at least MSC. MSC did. had a very, very low debt, and so did Fastenal, and uh, I think Granger has the highest amount of debt. But even that, it's not crazy. It's I think. Um, and they had good gross rates. Yeah. Like I think um, Acklands was the no Fastenal was the highest growth. Eight percent. Yeah. Over the last like twelve year annual. Yeah. And then the other two had like five and a half percent. Yeah. So. And I never heard about MSC before. Mm -hmm. I I was aware of Fastenal and Granger, so I'm. MSC is a little bit smaller, though, so it's. But not much smaller. Five billion market cap compared to about twenty for the others. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. it's trading much cheaper. cheaper yeah. Multiple. Yeah. So. Probably because of the lower growth and. I I think like in terms of when you're talking about like. The trading at like a six, seven, eight percent free cash flow, probably around seven percent, and then you have like gross rate of five percent. So you're talking about twelve percent return yeah. annual if at current prices. If if you if you're assuming steady state, if you assuming their gross rates continue, their margins continue, that's another thing to check. But yeah. just. Uh, the numbers look good on that company. Yeah, to me, it's right certainly now. something I'll look more into, and uh, I'll probably write something up a little more formally, just to rationalize my thoughts a bit. Yeah. And when I was talking about seven percent free cash flow, I was talking on market cap. I think on their sales or right. so, they had yeah. like eight percent. Yeah. Free cash flow. Yeah. But then their market cap's a little bit higher than their sales, so on their market cap, you're talking about like a seven free cash flow yeah yeah another advantage to the business i just you know was thinking of is it's once they get in to a facility and they set themselves up you know you know they get all the inventory in it's really hard to you know to to move them out because it is a disruption to the business when you switch out mro suppliers it's a lot of work okay. just from uh so there is a moat there. And okay. then I guess then another discussion point is like, would Amazon ever compete in this space too? Mm. They 
I'm sure if they decided to, they could do a good job. It's just whether they want to or not and get into that business because I think there's a lot more hand-holding in the MRO business with the customer than, than Amazon is used to. Hmm. Um, so Yeah, seems like a business they could do quite well, potentially. Uh, that's, that's the one thing for me. It's the 